poetry. Thank you, Ed. In our large great room at Faithful Fools, we have a piece that says, a word after a word after a word is power. A word after a word after a word is truth. A word after a word after a word is powerful. It awakens dormant cells, sometimes with a jolt or a rush of refreshing stream of water. It wasn't long after Kay Jorgensen and I had begun Faithful Fools that Ed came into the Fool's Court and he said, do you want to publish a poetry anthology? Well, it was a little bit like the angel Gabriel coming down to Mary and saying, do you want to bring light into the world? We hesitated a little bit, which I think Mary did too at that time. But we said, yes, sure, why not? And if I were to look back at all of the yeses and sures and why nots we've done in these 21 years, I have to say I think this is the one I'm most grateful for. The voices of poets filled the fool's court, and as I listened, the dormant, often hidden or secret parts of my very human self came alive, and they were given words. As absolute grief and fear and pain and love and struggle and joy were expressed, word after word after word, I was so grateful. You see, I grew up in Minnesota, small town in Minnesota. We were a nice family. We went to church. We were taught to be kind. My dad was a milkman and my mom was a nurse. We weren't healthy, but we had enough. And I knew love and stability. I was taught to be kind and respectful, but we weren't very good about talking about the tough stuff. The margins were narrow of what it was to be a good or respectable human being. Harsh words could be threatened with, I'll wash your mouth out with soap. The existence of pain and grief and betrayal, loneliness, cruelty, resilience, raw feelings of fear and love were hushed. It wasn't nice to talk about them. If anything, I would sometimes write them in my journal behind a closed door and then shred the journal so no one would ever find it. At Faithful Fools, we say, we discover on the streets our common humanity. Well, I believe that in poetry, too, we discover our common humanity. Ed, Kim, and Jesse are real human beings. They are poets honest about life. They live in the tenderloin. They are fools who hold up mirrors to all of us of what it is to be a human and to live in this very human world that may not always be nice but it is alive and honest 
and the children of the, uh, the Tenderloin are poets too. There's many children who write poetry and so Sharon will be reading one from there. And may they be words as you and I listen this morning. May they empower us. But before Ed comes up to read again, his brilliant introduction to the very first Fool's anthology in the early 2000s, we at Faithful Fools, with the seriousness of life, don't want to take life too seriously. So if any of you knew Reverend Kay Jorgensen, she was a professional mime and clown before she became a Unitarian Universalist minister. So Kay, before she would do a sermon, would have everybody look under your chair. Look under your chair. I'm sure there's a hat underneath your chair. So if you pull out that hat, and you some found a real hat, you can put it on your head. Now make sure it's here. Ask your neighbor if it's on correctly. <laughs> so it's serious business living this serious stuff. And as fools, our job is also to ignite a little folly to keep ourselves from becoming too serious. So we have red noses, <laughs> but because it makes it hard to read with a red nose because you see double, it can go on ears. And we add a little color to life so we can listen seriously. So are we ready? To listen to more poetry? All right, Ed. Nobody moves to the tenderloin of San Francisco unless the power of their presence and the intelligence of their words is not appreciated anywhere else. When I first arrived here, it was not of my own choice. I had been married for 18 years, and as my wife and I went separate ways, I had to find a place to live. North Beach was too expensive, so I found an affordable room with no kitchen and a bathroom in the hall. This refuge was located on 7th and Market. It was a clean room, but in three years, I have made it as dirty as the soil out of which wheat grows. <laughs> Ripped up poems thrown onto the floor, Altoid ashtray cans overflowing with cigarettes, a cheap boombox playing old Charles Mingus recordings, a cold depression hanging in the air without advertisements for itself. The first night I arrived here, I'd spent hours, which seemed like hundreds of years, standing on various San Francisco street corners with my ex-wife as she cried tears of regret that were as useless to me as I was to her now. Some con artist tried to sell her a computer. Then finally, she returned to her home and I entered my room and tried to sleep alone but the words of the people on the street kept me awake. All night long they sang to me. 
You see, there is a screaming corner outside of where I live on 7th and Market. And by any other name, it is called pure poetry. The screaming corner is where those who love no one and who no one loves express themselves after 3 a.m. I want to kill myself was one line I heard repeated over and over again in a woman's loud and matter-of-fact monotone voice for over three hours. Others on the screaming corner are not so discreet. They don't want to kill themselves. They want to kill you. But all of them have one thing in common. They have no face. I have to get out of here if it is the last thing I ever do I told my ex-wife on the phone a few days later, sounding like an old rock song, but I didn't believe I could. Then I settled down, I went to the bars, I hung out on the streets, I made friends, I listened to people, I surrendered to God or the devil or whatever operation runs the show. I started seeing the faces behind the words. And I found out that it was here in the Tenderloin that I could express myself more than any place I'd ever lived in the United States of America. For over 30 years, I had traveled and stopped in the East Coast, the South, and the West Coast, but now I'd finally arrived. The Tenderloin, tenderloin is beyond all coasts. It is the last stop, the end of the road, but endings can be good. The entertainment industry depends on happy endings for movies and plays. However, most of them are false. The endings here are real. In three years, I can't count the number of people who are now dead or the amount of angels who have helped me survive. I only hang out with literary types sell the market a few times a month, but the screaming corner in the land of the tenderloin dead is where visceral poetry and love and hate are honestly expressed. Words here are live wires inserted into your brain in the middle of the night when you look out your window to see the waning moon. These words will make and keep you awake. These words are mantras that you will never forget if you have the courage to take them seriously. Welcome to living in the land of the dead and the Tenderloin anthology of poets and writers. Let the screaming corner of this anthology enter your soul. And, like me, you may be saved. Read carefully and respect what is written here. And I humbly pray these stories and poems inspire you to survive under all circumstances so that you can go on to help someone else to do the same. Read slow. Slow is best. Fast is a mistake. I can attest to that from a lot of people I've known in this zone whose split decisions ended badly. Slow it down so slow you can see it clearly coming toward you and not panic and get into a wreck. The highway to the land of the dead is merciless and allows for few mistakes. Do not drive off the road. See the faces of those driving toward you and show respect. Understand this book. Living in the Land of the Dead contains roadmaps, accident reports, and prayers. This document is filled with human life, crying like a helpless baby, or the blast of a lonely horn, or the desperate reaching out to others who are too late to be saved. And in the dark moments of your life, when tears force you to be honest with yourself, these words, written down and solidified, 
will help you to accept that you, whatever you, you ever hated or loved, are all in the same boat, naked and clothed, blessed or damned, full of joy or despair. We of the Tenderloin are represented in this book, whose intent is to give the people on the screaming corner a face that can truly communicate with dignity to others. My name is Kim. I'm very grateful to be here. I spent the first 40 years of my life um, being raised by an alcoholic father and beaten him and marrying a man whom I thought was different and turned out not to be. Gave birth to four children, which I'm very proud of. And um, then when my ex decided he didn't want me anymore, decided to kill me on a motorcycle and did it without getting caught. And then I ended up in the Tenderloin because of being homeless, losing everything and being homeless, and I a uh, victim of domestic violence. I had given up. I wasn't coming out of my room. I wasn't doing anything. And then some good people of the neighborhood, Sam, who is a part of Faithful Fools, who's not here today, was one of the first ones. And then Jesse, I met, who decided to pull me into his poetry class. And somehow, gave me a place to speak my words that I couldn't speak any other way because nobody believed me anymore. Um, I was an emotional wreck. I was diagnosed with PTSD and um, told this was my life. Get used to it. I now work one day a week again as a mentor for the Public Authority and Home Supportive Services and I've tried to start a new life. And one of those was through poetry and the good people of Faithful Fools. My first one is called The Blank Page. To stare in despair for having lost the words to share. To know the darkness of your despair will shine through. When you want only hope and joy to be your tale. To want to leave the only words of love spoken. But the broken heart speaks instead. For no speak of the pain of the words are even too great to bear. As the words of hate and prejudice are whispered, I stare at the blank page with hope and faith. We demand a justice unreal, unfair, and unattainable, ignorance of the here and now, the evil of a blind faith in the invisible, unable to open their eyes to their own hate. What are words really if they are used as a weapon, a truth too many ignore and deny? What words to use for healing and peace to change the world? What words of love do I use on this blank page to make a difference? This one I wrote about what it's like just in the day of the life of living in the Tenderloin. Fear of the gutter. Today's a bad day. The fear is so very strong. I thought my strength was building, not crumbling. I pushed to the drug dealers again with my feet dragging. 
And then I see you sitting next to that curb with a bag and some scattered clothes. I'm walking towards you, hunched, with my med pen clenched in my hand, almost to my destination. I watch as you put your shirt and then your pants on. And as I, I shuffle closer, I see you change your mind about your shirt. And I get to laugh with you for just a moment at remembering I just done that very same thing not 20 minutes ago in my room. And then the fear returns as our surroundings come crashing through. You without a home. Me going to Faithful Fools for a very desperately needed healing. Now thinking I'm just wasting their time because nothing can take away the pain of not being able to take your hand and bring you somewhere safe to where you can get a room instantly, some food, a bath, clean clothes, things that we're taking but should be given back. My soul has been tortured for so long now, you would think the screams would stop. But they don't. They only get worse as my feet can hardly move now. My body hurts all over. I go to bed every night crying myself to sleep. I wake up screaming. I live in fear all day. See, I was where you are now, put out of my home by violence onto the streets. Where even living in a shelter still means you are sitting on the curb with others passing you by, kicking and spitting on you. Just because, just because. And because of the hate of others, you become a victim again. I never want to go there again, my soul screams out in pain. So how? How do we make this not be? Thank you for letting me share with you today. It's nice to meet you all. The great spirit that is the sky spreads its wings to conjure a night of laser stars fragrant with juniper and the promise of rain. Gentle winds guide our journey across magenta sands, east to where my father will be buried at the edge of the southern plains. We shall all, each through our own journey, arrive with bare feet and dusty hair to a field of stone and yellow flowers. There we shall, must wander among the headstones and broken angels, seeking the names of ancestors and dead lovers. The tragedies and miracles of life are exhausting. We grow heavy with nostalgia. We lower our bodies to the stony ground, close our eyes and listen to the cicadas sing among, among the broomweed and yarrow. We dream, we dream of purple thistles. Barking dogs awake those of us who must return. When I cross a path that my father walked, I miss the comfort of his arms. I miss the taste of stone and, the dark, and dark wine on my lips. I hike up hills and along dried up oils. I am counseled by crows. I pray and laugh. I burn cobalt and sage. I am a generation of trees. My branches sway with thunder and wind. The evening is a, is a swirl of dark leaves falling to a quiet place that promises storms. Fathers die, and so I am now an elder of my tribe, and I must show no fear. A fierce thirst. 
a first thirst, blistered feet, longing for a deep night's sleep. To know these things is to understand the, the need to be generous with water. To know these things is to, is to understand why a democracy needs public benches. To know these things is to understand why we must dream of a better time. This dream is a tree growing out of a grid of streets that intersects with the destinies of people struggling with poverty. A people generous and tolerant, with stories of sorrow and good friends passing, with stories of others forced out by high prices, with stories of resilience that defy our predictions. This dream is a tree that sprouts not leaves but wings, as will happen when people are treated with respect and compassion, their, their thoughts take flight, they remember a future long forgotten, they come to believe in their ability to make themselves anew. This dream is a tree that flowers, and in its branches, art, poetry, and music blossom, tells of exile and acceptance, uh, stories of injustice and survival, flower into a mosaic, a, a kaleidoscope of narratives that is the tenderloin, languages, beliefs, genders, complexes, and cultures. This tree is a dream, this dream is a tree that fruit-bearing, a harvest of small victories, a job interview, a new pair of shoes, a haircut, a room, being a value, going to school, finding strength amongst those around you, finding meaning in the struggle, finding yourself and helping others, find, becoming a part of something larger than ourselves. This dream is a tree that grows out of our community. This dream is a tree deep-rooted and far-reaching. thing. It's written by Tasbia Latif, an eighth grade student. Why can't they just stop? Instead of a dark and gloomy day, they'll be sun dancing and finding its way. Instead of weapons, there'll be books in our hands. These wars are tearing up the world into little pieces. They're destroying nature, and worse, they're taking away the most sacred thing, life. So thank you for reading, thank you for listening. And I will just close with a poem. It's a poem that I, um, Landed, it landed in the fool's court, and I liked it so much I had an uh, intern write it in marker on the outside of our building, and this is what it said. This poem, this poem is dangerous. It should not be left within the reach of children or even adults who might swallow it whole with possibly undesirable effects. If you come across an unattended, unidentified poem in a public space. Do not attempt to tackle it yourself. Send it, preferably in a sealed container, to the nearest center of learning, where it will be rendered harmless by experts. Even the simplest poem may destroy your immunity to human emotions. All poems must carry a government warning. Words can seriously affect your heart. By Elma Mitchell.